Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. The Healthcare Sterile Processing Association, HSPA, invites you to log on, listen and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome to the Process This Podcast. This is episode number 66. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope that you are doing well. Now, if you missed episode 65, the last episode, we talked about water issues, electrothermal injuries, burns in the operating room. Now, if you missed that, make sure you go and visit that podcast sometime. Because today on the podcast, we're continuing on that same theme from that last podcast, looking at some news articles that focus on dirty instrumentation. I've got a lot of interesting information for you, so let's go ahead and get started. All right, well, we are going to talk about dirty instruments today. So we all know about endoscopes, right? Or at least we should. We should know that there are issues surrounding the cleaning of endoscopes, at least by now. And here's some information from ECRI. If you haven't seen this, top 10 ECRI health hazards. Now this goes from 2015 to 2020. So in case you don't know that there have been issues around endoscopes, here we go. Ranking number four, 2015, inadequate reprocessing of endoscopes and surgical instruments. 2016, it ranks number one, inadequate cleaning of flexible endoscopes before disinfection. 2017, ranks number two, inadequate cleaning of complex reusable instruments. We can associate that with endoscopes. 2018, number two, endoscopes reprocessing failure continues to expose patients to infection risk. 2019, ranks number five, mishandling flexible endoscopes after disinfection leads to patient infections. And then in 2020, ranks on number three, infection risk from sterile processing errors in medical and dental offices. So again, reprocessing errors, we can attribute that to endoscopes as well. So I think we can all agree that there are issues cleaning endoscopes. So I didn't include any of those articles today, you know, because I think we can uh, pretty much, I think that's been covered. Maybe in, maybe in a future episode, we'll talk about that some more. But the articles I'm discussing today were issues that happened in hospitals and they were published. So these issues were reported by the local news or some national news sources. You've probably heard about these. I'd be surprised if you hadn't, um, but it's been a while, right? If it's old news, then you might be asking yourself, why am I dredging it back up? Well, one reason is because it's still happening somewhere, right? Somewhere out there in some facility, you know, they're still having these same issues or they're going through these same problems. Or maybe you're a new manager recently and you haven't heard about these issues, right? So they still can be applicable to you. Second reason I'm bringing this up is because history is important. You know, history helps us develop a better understanding of situations that could happen in our departments. 
History helps us better understand ourselves and others. And history helps us become better decision makers. So it's important to uh, understand the past so we can change things in our future. All right, so our first article is titled Dirty Missing Instruments Plague Surgeries. Now, again, I'm not going to mention the facilities. It's not too hard to figure it out, but I don't think it's important to uh, mention these specific facilities because, you know what, it, it could very well be yours. But So this medical center has struggled for years to properly clean surgical instruments. Stroking doctors' fears about patient safety, a news investigation found. The news has obtained more than 200 pages of internal emails and reports indicating that surgeons and staffers have complained for at least 11 years about improperly cleaned, broken, and missing instrumentation. Okay, just a a note here. When listening or reading news reports, understand that their goal is to entice you, to draw you in, right? They want you to read or listen to their article. You know, I could find a hospital that maybe has had one incident a year and it's been operating for 50 years, and I can make the claim that that facility has had issues every year for the past 50 years it's been open. Right? Now, that statement uh, would be true, but grossly over-exaggerated. So... Uh, Just what I'm trying to say is use some judgment when listening and reading some of these articles. You know, know that they're trying to get you to listen. They're trying to draw you in. And you have to kind of sift through the facts. So, uh, continuing on with the article. The records show improperly sterilized tools, complicated operations from appendectomies, brain surgery to cleft palate repair, and spinal fusions. Patients were kept under anesthesia for up to an hour as staffers replaced instrumentation. Dozens of operations were canceled at the last minute, some after anesthesia was administered. At least twice a child's chest or skull was opened for surgery when doctors discovered dirty instruments. An open-heart surgery for a seventh-month-old girl was interrupted because a tube leading to the bypass machine was clogged with blood from a previous operation. Now, they said we are putting patients at risk frequently and now canceling up to 10 cases this week. Promises just aren't cutting it. And this is from the chief surgeon at the hospital as he wrote an email to top administrators. This is his third warning in six months. Doctors are concerned because old blood and bone, even when sterilized, are biohazards that can trigger infections, septic shock, and even death if they come into contact with a patient. In one recent seven-month period, the hospital logged 186 complaints about dirty instruments, missing instruments, or incomplete sets. The email offers a rare glimpse into the issues a surgical instrument designer says, and he also says that this is a growing trend of hospitals nationwide as the number and complexity of surgical tools have increased. And while the issue of improperly clean instruments at some hospitals has garnered recent publicity, four surgeons and four former administrators told the news 
The duration and severity of problems at the system is unusual. The chief administration officer acknowledges challenges sterilizing equipment have frustrated doctors and canceled surgeries. This is something that has to be fixed, he said. The situation stems from a central sterile processing department in the basement of a receiving hospital. The department cleans instruments for five different hospitals. The issues have equally affected all five hospitals, which perform more than 37,000 operations per year. Now it goes on to say it's a surgeon's nightmare. Four surgeons say they encountered improperly clean, missing, or incomplete sets of instruments about once a month or more. At other hospitals, the problems are less common, occurring less than once a year, said the doctor, who spoke on a condition of anonymity, fear of job reprisal. Instruments are getting lost. Instruments are getting dirty. Instruments are not available. It's a surgeon nightmare, one doctor told the news. It's not the way it should work. I can't do surgeries with my bare hands. We are running out of tricks to work around this. You can only improvise so much. One longtime surgeon said he discovered old tissue and blood on surgical instruments that he uses regularly. He says he also has used duct tape on occasion to repair broken instruments during surgery. Okay, wait a minute. We're going to stop here for a second. So this surgeon just said that he has used duct tape on occasion to repair broken instrumentation. So I guess this surgeon really isn't all that interested in patient infections if he's willing to use duct tape that is unsterile in a procedure. So maybe this longtime surgeon only sees the speck in others and not the plank of his own. So he goes on to say that he quit filing complaints more than a year ago because the situation has not improved. Okay, without documentation, okay, here's a problem. Without documentation, situations are not addressed. Employees involved cannot be disciplined. Okay, interesting. So we're, we'll talk about more of that here at the end of the article, but let's go on to the next story. Now this story says at least one death Hundreds of severe infections linked to hospital use of contaminated surgical instruments, lawsuit alleges. Okay, the facility failed to address widespread infection from poorly sterilized surgical equipment, uh, states a report. More than 60 patients who suffered post-surgical infections are suing over a breach in sterilization procedures in which a state investigation found was far more serious than the hospital divulged a year ago. The lawsuit alleges that the hospital failed to adequately clean equipment which caused hundreds of severe infections in patients and led to at least one death. Now, one of the plaintiffs says it's not all about the money. It's about the facility not doing this to anyone else. Now, this plaintiff said he developed an infection after a knee replacement four years ago. This should be preventable. When the hospital publicly revealed its problem cleaning equipment used in surgery, hospital officials said there was only one case in which a contaminated tool came close to a patient. Hospital officials also downplayed the risk patients face in getting infections. 
We have not seen a bump in our overall totals or infection rates, says Chief Medical Officer. She and other officials offered insight into the troubles with the hospital's sterilization practices. Now, later a state investigation found hospital officials knew more of their patients were developing post-surgical infections when a hospital committee was told of a jump in infection rates related to hip and spine surgeries, according to the results of the health department's investigation. The investigation documented 76 times contaminated surgical instruments and trays tainted by blood, chunks of bone, cement, hair, even a dead insect were brought into the operating room suite. Now, the state investigation report said the hospital failed to track data and changed its operations, leading to ongoing incidences in which contaminated surgical instruments were being delivered to the operating room for surgical cases and potentially contributed to an increase in surgical site infections and adverse patient events. The chief medical officer at the Department of Health and Environment said in a statement, the state has never conclusively linked infections to the sterilization problems. At the time, the State Department of Public Health and Environment confirmed a number of patients at the facility had infections, but said it could not directly connect them to the hospital sterilization problems. The former executive director of the agency also said the risk of patients getting HIV, Hep B, Hep C was very low. In a statement, the agency spoke to the Center of Disease and Control and Prevention, and at the time of the sterilization breach, and determined that while there was a low risk of HIV, Hep B, Hep C, the risk was higher than what was typical. When there is an increased risk of bloodborne pathogens, we take in this case, we informed the hospital they needed to notify patients of the possible risk of surgical site infections and bloodborne pathogens and that patients should be treated for bloodborne pathogens. Now, the news report goes on to have a, a kind of a timeline of incidences, but I'm just going to read off some of those uh, findings. There's quite a few. So here we go. Chunks of blood were found inside a surgical pan. A surgical instrument was noted as clogged with the previous patient's blood. Blood was found on a surgical drill bit. Cement was found on an instrumentation. Visible blood and blood were found in the surgical pan. Blood was found on top of spinal surgical instruments. A surgical instrument was found to have dried blood on it. Black residue was found on a surgical instrument. Operating room staff documented a dead bug in a surgical tray. Crusty blood and tissue was found on a surgical instrument. Blood from a previous case was found on a piece of surgical instrumentation. A piece of bone was found in the bottom of the surgical tray. Hair was found on an instrument. Blood was found in the bottom of the tray and contaminated the entire setup. Rust or blood was found on the surgical drill. And then questionable residue was found on an instrument which led to cancellation of the surgery. So the hospital was placed on a conditional license, which means it's required to have increased monitoring from the State Department. Um, lawsuits allege that a patient died three months after his surgery from a fractured femur. The patient was 78, died after he was diagnosed with sepsis, respiratory failure, pneumonia, 
all sorts of other things, all leading to his demise. In one case, a patient had two procedures, a spinal fusion and a laminectomy, visited the emergency department uh, because of back pain. At the emergency department, a physician noted the patient, who was not named in the state's investigation, had white milky fluid and pus from the spot of the surgery. Tests later determined that there was bacteria that caused the infection. A month later, the patient was back in the emergency department, complaining of paralysis in the lower body. Test results showed an infection at the spot of the surgery again. Staffing issues at the hospital. The breakdown in the hospital sterilization process coincide with staffing issues in the department responsible for cleaning surgical instrumentation, show the state records. And when employees reported problems with how the equipment was cleaned, hospital leaders failed to provide them with additional training or change how the department operated, says the state. The state records show that in one year, 17 of the 22 employees in the department experienced one or more incidences involving contaminated surgical tools. One employee, who was not named in the report, was involved in at least 63 incidences where there were concerns with the surgical tray he or she processed, such as when chunks of bone were found in a pan, according to the health department. The technician received a written warning for dirty instruments, but contaminated tools still appeared. In one case, staff in the operating room found a dead insect in the surgical tray uh, that was noted in the records. Now, when the state official spoke with the manager, he said he was aware contaminated trays were making their way into the operating room, but he didn't have time to check the equipment after they were sterilized. We're going to go back to that statement and, and, and the ones to follow here. It goes on to say, at one time, the department's processed instruments for up to 50 cases a day, which was not safe, the manager said. I don't have enough staff, he told officials in the investigation. Okay, we're going to go back and revisit these statements uh, at the end of this next article, so hang on and wait for that. The next article, Filthy Surgical Instruments, the Hidden Threat in America's Operating Room. It seems simple enough at the time. A 63-year-old oil industry sales manager had surgery to repair his rotator cuff in his right shoulder, a routine procedure that usually requires, at most, a single night's stay in the hospital, followed by physical therapy. But for this patient, however, there was nothing routine about the ordeal that ensued. In the weeks following the surgery, his scar turned bright red, hot to the touch, and oozed with thick fluid that looked like butter squeezed from a bag. The patient's wife called the hospital where the surgery was performed, and the doctor urged him to immediately take the seven-hour drive back to the hospital for an emergency checkup. After the patient caught a dangerous infection during routine surgery, the patient sued the hospital and the manufacturer of the medical device that was found dirty. That night, surgeons opened up the patient's shoulder and found that the infection had eaten away part of his shoulder bone and rotator cuff. Screws and metal hardware surgeons had placed in his shoulder had pulled loose. Sutures had come undone. 
Surgeons worked to clean out the patient's shoulder, installed two drains, and gave him antibiotics to battle the infection. When the patient awoke from surgery, he imagines his nightmare was over, but in reality, it had just begun. Since then, what has begun as a simple operation has turned into a lengthy struggle that left him for months at a time dependent on a hired nurse, unable to dress himself, take a shower, or work, and even afraid for his own life. I'm a pretty tough guy being in the oil patch, said the patient, a soft-spoken man who tends to understate the severity of his ordeal. But the pain felt like somebody hit you in the shoulder with a baseball bat with razor blades attached to it. Now the patient first blamed himself, thinking he had not taken proper care of his surgical wound, but the truth was much worse. He was one of at least seven joint surgery patients who acquired dangerous infection during a two-week period. The outbreak led the hospital to close operating rooms and cancel knee and shoulder surgery, while the hospital and the CDC investigators searched for a cause. They found two likely sources in unlikely yet terrifying spots. Deep inside a handheld power tool called the arthroscopic shaver, which the surgeon used to shave away bone and tissue during surgery, and inside a long narrow tube called inflow-outflow cannula, which is used to irrigate and suction the surgical site. During the investigation, the hospital inspected surgical tools with a boroscope to make sure impossible to see places with the naked eye were clean. They were not. Inside the cannula and the uh, shaver, the video camera made startling finds. Human tissue and bone were stuck in both devices. The camera also discovered a bristle from a cleaning brush inside of the shaver. So those are the articles that I selected for today. Let's take a minute here and talk about some statements that I found interesting in those articles. So let's go back to our duct tape surgeon in that first article. Now I'm not going to talk about the duct tape because that's ridiculous. It's absurd to even think about using duct tape during a procedure. But but he also made the statement that reporting the incident didn't make a difference. He stopped doing it because he felt nothing was happening. That may have been the case, right? The facility or facilities may not have had a good incident reporting system. If you recall the SPD in the first story process instrumentation from five different facilities. Now, I can only guess, but I'm sure that all five facilities had some different way of reporting problems. Maybe they had different reporting systems that led to uh, some of these reporting issues not getting delivered to the SPD. Now, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just saying that I can see where there might be some issues there. Now, ideally, the sterile processing department should be connected to the incident reporting system and the SPD manager should be responsible for addressing those reports. So if your facility has a reporting system, then I really suggest that you take advantage of it. Take advantage of the system because incident reporting systems can help you identify trends or they can help you identify folks that continue to have issues like this person that had 63 incident reports for trades that they have completed. 
You know, being upfront with the issues and taking measures to correct broken processes is, is one way to help keep you out of the news. Now, I worked at a facility where every morning the hospital leadership, now I'm talking the everyone in the C-suite, all the nursing directors and leaders, floor leaders, you know, all the nurses, all of us met every morning for about 10 to 15 minutes when we started the day. And what we did is we reviewed the previous day's incident reports. So as a leader, I had to account for the incident reports that were attributed to sterile processing. I specifically had to address every issue in front of the entire hospital leadership. Everybody knew my business, right? Everybody was all up in everybody's business. But the great thing here was it was all about total transparency. So if I had an issue with something that happened in the OR, then I had the OR there. I had the OR leadership there to discuss the issue and we can make a plan to correct it. So not only did I have to hear what the issue was, I was expected to explain how I was going to correct the issue. And let me tell you, saying that I'm going to re-educate after the same issue comes up three days in a row, yeah, that doesn't cut it, right? I had to come up with a process. I had to come up with a process that was going to fix actual issues. I couldn't just say, yeah, we re-educated and we're done. You know, like I said, that didn't cut it. We had to fix problems, especially if they repeated themselves. So incident report tools are great, but it's all about how you use it. Okay, let's move on to the second article. Now I'm going to read this statement and then we'll talk about it. And I, I'm assuming it's the manager who's saying that. Okay, so it says, He said he was aware contaminated trays were making their way into the operating room, but he didn't have time to check the equipment after they were sterilized. Hmm. And then it goes on to say, At one time the department processed instruments for up to 50 cases a day, which was not safe. And then last he said, I don't have enough staff, and he told this to the state investigation officials. Okay, let's break this down. He just said that he was aware contaminated trays were making their way to the OR. Okay, this, this statement bothers me. Now, I understand that it, this statement says he, he was aware after they were sterilized. I mean, the, the news person probably got this incorrect when they were writing the story, because right, that really doesn't make sense, but, but the statement really bothers me. If you were aware that there were issues, what corrective actions were you implementing to correct these issues? Man, I pray that he was making some sort of changes or doing something to correct the issue. If not, if he was if he was aware that he was sending trays, contaminated trays to patients, then personally, I think he should be fired. You know, that's harsh, but if you can knowingly send contaminated trays to be used on patients, then there's something wrong. I, I don't want you working for me. I don't I don't want you working at the hospital. You shouldn't be working in healthcare. Now, maybe there was some process to correct the issue and the news really, they were just selective in what they reported and they didn't report everything. And I hope that is the case in this situation. But then the next statement says, at one time, the department processed instruments for up to 50 cases a day, which wasn't safe, he said. Now, if it wasn't safe, what actions were taken to report the unsafe conditions? 
again, hopefully there was some sort of report of the unsafe condition and the news just didn't report all of the information. I hope that he, you know, reported that to the leadership and he had documented that. And then this next statement, I don't have enough staff, he told the officials in the investigation. Yikes. So I'm not um, the most military person who was ever in the Navy. I'll admit that. But one important lesson I've learned is to use the chain of command. If this person had never addressed staffing issues with his chain of command, and then they read this for the first time in this press release, again, yikes. You know, if I had done this, I would have expected to be fired immediately, if that was me saying this. Maybe this was an ongoing issue, and it was the only way to get some attention. You know, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt here, because I don't know the entire situation, so it's, it's really hard to say. But if you think that you're working in an unsafe environment, if you don't have the staffing to keep up with your caseload, then you need to use your chain of command and you need to make sure that you document all your conversations, right? You need to do everything that you can in your power to try to correct the situations here. Again, this is from the news perspective and from their perspective, it just sounds like, hey, these things were happening. They didn't know nothing about it. They're just complaining. It's probably not the case, but again, that's how it reads in this article. So make sure that you document conversations. If you think things are unsafe, if you don't have enough employees, make sure you're documenting these conversations with your leadership. And now to our last article. We have instrumentation with lumens that are difficult to clean. What I thought was interesting is that the CDC investigation, they used a boroscope to examine the instruments and found the bio burden. Right? The same bio burden that caused the infections to these patients. Now, why I thought this article was interesting is because there are physicians out there, and there are others besides physicians, who think that using a boroscope to look inside cannulas or channels or other areas of the instrument where we can't see, they think it's unnecessary. Now, how absurd is that? You know, they, they say, go ahead and look outside the instrumentation. That's extremely important. But don't you dare look inside. You know, heck, you might find something. And if you find something, then what are we going to do? Man, that just sounds ridiculous. How absurd is that? Here's the case for boroscopes. Use your boroscope. <laughs> so, like I said at the beginning, let's use these articles to our advantage and not make these same mistakes. If these issues sound familiar to you, if you are in one of these situations, you know what? Great news. The great news is that now, right now, you can make those necessary changes. You don't have to wait. Don't wait until you're on the Channel 4 nightly news to say you don't have enough people in your department or your department is unsafe. Start addressing the issues you are facing now. There's no better time than right now. HSPA, episode number 66 is in the books. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to the show. 
To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes, log on to your MyHSPA account, and make sure to use the code INCIDENTREPORT. Again, the code for this episode is INCIDENTREPORT. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode, always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, hey, we'll be there for you. And as always, stay classy, and we'll see you next time.